here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. It's Larry O'Connor sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin, today. 877-381-3811 if you want to join the conversation. We've got plenty to talk about here. Uh, we, we are going to address Chief Justice Roberts and his ill-advised spat with the chief executive of our federal government, the president of the United States, Donald Trump. I don't get it. I don't understand what he's thinking. And why would he wade into this? We'll, we'll discuss that in a bit. And I am going to discuss in just a moment this, uh, this obsession with the media Uh, The obsession the media has, that is, with Donald Trump in trying to find a scandal and an outrage and a phony story anywhere they can. The latest one that they're outraged there. They can't believe that the president of the United States would want to investigate Hillary Clinton or James Comey. How dare he? Who does he think he is? Uh, It's 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 the perfect example of the media and Trump haters really not understanding Donald Trump in any way whatsoever, and by extension, not understanding you, not understanding a typical American who kind of feels the same way as the president. They act like it's the end of the world. It's the end of our constitutional republic as we know it. And you and I are sitting there watching this transpire, and we really believe that that the world they're living in, no, the country they're living in, the America they're living in, in expressing this outrage that Trump would float the idea of uh, daring to investigate Hillary Clinton or James Comey or anyone else who's acted in a nefarious, if not a legal fashion over the years and has gotten away with it, that in some way they're the problem where you and i are watching it's like well of course it's a no dumb moment as one of my kids would say uh we'll get to all of that uh, larry o'connor here sitting in for the indispensable one mark levin i know i know he's called the great one i know that and he is great but he's more than that he really is he's indispensable we need him now more than ever he's the irreplaceable one too no one can do what mark levin does and when they try it's embarrassing And I wish they'd stop all those people who are trying to do what Mark Levin does, because you can't do it. Don't even try. Uh, He really is indispensable. And and I'm a columnist at The Washington Times, and I'm also a radio host on WMAL in Washington, D.C., which is Mark Levin's station. I do the three hours right before him uh, on WMAL. And I wrote a column last week when Mark was inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame, and I called him the indispensable one. And I drew attention to the fact that he was the one. You know, you think about it. There are a lot of national radio hosts, and they're all incredible, and they've had long careers. And uh, seriously, I have nothing but admiration for them. I really do. They're my heroes. Uh, And they've reached a point in their careers where they are doing what they are doing, and they're doing it very well. But I do think Mark Levin, at this point, stands in a different stratosphere. Uh, Mark Levin is the one, two months into the Trump presidency, who saw the news reports that we were seeing from these anonymous leakers talking to the Washington Post, talking to the New York Times, trying to undermine the nascent Trump presidency by talking about all of the things that that the campaign was doing with Russia and the things that they learned from conversations that Manafort had on the phone with this person or that person. And Levin looked at all these stories and said, "Hold, hold on a minute. The only way some anonymous source knows this information is if there was a surveillance operation 
The only way these stories are true, the only way that this information was learned and then regurgitated to the New York Times or the Washington Post is if the Justice Department and the intelligence community under President Barack Obama was spying on the Trump campaign. He was the one who saw it. He was the one who knew it. He was the one who drew attention to it. And he was, oh, the things that they said about him in the mainstream media, the things they said about him at the time on CNN and the Brian Stelters and the Joe Scarboroughs and the Stephen Colbert's. And I think, he's, in fact, I've heard uh, Mr. Producer has played a fantastic montage that, that Mark loves listening to, actually, because he's got to get such satisfaction out of it now. Of these, of the ridicule, of the of the the names, the 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 absolute uh, degradation of Mark Levin as a man, as a broadcaster, as uh, one of the best legal minds in our nation, and and he was completely and totally vindicated. Oh, it took months. It took fourteen months before the New York Times. Get this: fourteen months after Mark Levin in March of twenty seventeen stepped out and said, "Hey." The Obama administration was surveilling the Trump campaign. There's no two ways about it. And he laid out the case, as he always does, in a methodical, fact-based way, using them as their own sources. Well, the New York Times said this, not me. The Washington Post said this, not me. The Wall Street Journal said this, not me. He laid it out and he made that case. And get this, I don't know if you remember that, 14 months later, 14 months after that, it, it it was May, I believe, May of 2018, the New York Times broke a story. Why do they call? Why do they say that this is an exclusive to the New York Times? Why would they say that New York Times broke this story? The New York Times broke the story that George Papadopoulos, Carter Page, Paul Manafort, and other members of the Trump campaign were surveilled, <laughs> and that they and 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 that there was a FISA warrant, and that they actually had uh, spies. Working with these people, talking with these people, and reporting back to the Obama administration. How is that breaking a story? You're basically saying exactly what Mark Levin said 14 months ago. This is why he's indispensable. This is why we need him. This is why we cannot do without him. And this is why you tune here every single day at this time. To hear the important things that he has to say. He is, he is a, a broadcaster par excellence. And I am so uh, proud, as always, to be sitting in this seat. I wanted to take that moment to remind you of uh, what Mark did and how he, he turned this topic uh, so early on in the Trump presidency to, to something that's been fundamental, frankly, the biggest story of the presidency. The, the fact that the Obama administration worked against him during the campaign, used the full power of the Justice Department and the surveillance state and the FISA warrants and the FBI to go after him. And since then, as he has been trying to expose this information, he being the president of the United States, trying to overcome that, trying to show what happened during the campaign, they continue to work against him so much so that they have a special prosecutor operating against him. Which brings us to the first story of the day. That the media just doesn't get. They don't understand this man, and therefore, by extension, they don't understand you. They're going crazy with themselves because this report 
suggests that, uh, according to Rudy Giuliani, that the the president has submitted his written answers to the questions. And one of the questions that Mueller was focusing on uh, has to do with this moment in the Trump campaign. This was in July of 2016, before he was officially the nominee. Remember this, what he said at a press conference? Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. I think you will probably be rewarded mightily by our press. Now, I don't know about you. I remember vividly the day I heard this. I was listening to the press conference live on the radio. I was in Cleveland because I was there to report on and broadcast from the Republican National Convention. It was, I think, a day or two before the actual convention began. He was giving this press conference, and uh, I'm pretty sure that was the day that this happened. And I remember hearing that statement, and I busted out laughing. Didn't you? Because, well, because it was funny, because he was trying to be funny, because it was so obviously a joke. And now we've got Robert Mueller, the the paragon of law and order, the paragon of justice. In fact, there was no law enforcement or justice in this nation before Robert Mueller entered the scene. He is that indispensable to the everyday operation of the Justice Department. I don't know how we did without him. Thank God he's back as a special prosecutor, special counselor. This man, Robert Mueller, who one must not ridicule, who one must not criticize, lest one face the wrath of of, of everyone who stands for the American way, lest one face the wrath of Bill Kristol and his... His army and legion of Mueller protectors. You must not criticize Robert Mueller at all, but this man has actually wasted the time of the president of the United States to ask him about that statement. They wasted the time of the American people and wasted the money of the American people. On this investigation by actually saying, please explain this statement. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. And by the way, they said, wait, were you asking Russia to hack Hillary Clinton? Were you signaling to Russia that they should hack Hillary Clinton? Were you telling your connections in Moscow that they should hack Hillary Clinton? Let's just hear it again. Russia, if you're listening... I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. Now, let's just be clear here. He wasn't telling. First of all, he was joking. But if you want to take the joke seriously, let's let's walk down that line for a moment. He wasn't telling them to hack Hillary Clinton. He wasn't signaling that they should hack Hillary Clinton. He's assuming they've already hacked Hillary Clinton. In fact, don't we all assume that Russia and China and various other uh, nefarious players on the international scene had already hacked Hillary Clinton, considering she kept state secrets on a non-secure private email server the entire time she was Secretary of State. All he was doing was saying, hey, Russia, I know you already got the emails because, let's face it, I mean, who hasn't? Who hasn't hacked Hillary Clinton? I mean, I'm guessing they're all over the place. If you could, why don't you find the 30,000 she deleted? It's a joke, but it's certainly not a call to hack her. She's already been hacked. And one other thing. 
If you believe the ridiculous, insane, incredulous narrative, story, tall tale, fairy tale that is Russian collusion, if you truly believe that Donald Trump, a real estate developer, reality television star, nascent political candidate who's never run for office before, a year into his campaign, having secured the presidential nomination for the Republican Party, if you truly believe that that man has these nefarious connections with Vladimir Putin, Russian oligarchs, Moscow, that Paul Manafort and George Papadopoulos and Carter Page have somehow... Oh, and let's not forget uh, Steve Bannon and and, and uh, Roger Stone. I mean, the whole crew there. If you truly believe that they were working behind the scenes with Moscow and and WikiLeaks to undermine our democratic process and mess with Facebook and Twitter advertising, and in some people's minds, actually literally changing ballots in our electoral system, and with all of those intricate webs of connection somehow thwarted the will of the American people who so clearly wanted Hillary Clinton to be president, and that's the only way he won the election. If you really believe that it was that intricate and involved and and connected behind the scenes between Moscow and Trump Tower, do you really think that when it came time to signal to your guys in Moscow that they should go after Hillary's deleted emails... Do you really think that candidate Trump would call a press conference to do it? Do you really think that he would announce this worldwide in front of the media, in front of everyone? All right, guys, now's the time. Hack away. I don't know. I'm just thinking that if you already have those relationships, the back channel relationships to Putin and WikiLeaks and all the guys who are thwarting our democratic process, I'm thinking maybe you'd let them know a different way. I'm thinking you wouldn't stand up there in front of all the cameras and all the microphones and make that statement. But see, that's what you have to believe to believe the nonsense that continues to be the Russian collusion narrative. And that's why this Robert Mueller investigation needs to end. They, they, they displayed themselves now by even asking the president to answer this question about his statement about the 30,000 deleted emails that was so clearly a joke. They've proven themselves that their investigation is a joke. All right, I've got a little bit more on this because I'm going to play a statement from Hillary Clinton that is very similar to Trump's joke. And, and I'm going to ask you, do you think that this got investigated? Because by their logic, by the Robert Mueller logic, by the Russian narrative logic, Trump's statement on 30,000 emails uh, from Hillary Clinton, if that gets investigated, then Hillary's statement that she made at the time also should have been. I'll play it for you. You'll remember it. And, of course, the question answers itself. Uh, that's coming up in a moment. I'm Larry O'Connor. In for Mark Levin. This is the Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin. able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. 
President Trump obviously making a joke at a press conference in 2016 during the campaign. And here we've got Robert Mueller, the special prosecutor, wasting everybody's time and money and dragging this thing into almost its second year, this investigation. One of the questions, according to Rudy Giuliani, lawyer for President Trump, one of the questions was, explain that statement. It was a joke. It was obviously a joke. And now and now they've made this investigation the joke that it is, uh, that it has been for quite some time. Imagine this. Imagine Peter Strzok, the FBI agent who's now disgraced and fired from the FBI and under investigation himself. But he led the investigation into Hillary Clinton and her use of a private email server. Imagine him going and and questioning Hillary Clinton and during the questioning saying, uh, Madam Secretary Clinton, during the campaign in a press conference, you made the following statement about wiping your server. Did you wipe the server? What, like with a cloth or something? Well, no. Uh, digitally? I, I don't know how it works digitally at all. Now, what did you mean by using a cloth to wipe your server? What kind of cloth did you use exactly? Did you use the cloth to wipe the server? Or did you order somebody else to wipe your server with a cloth? Did Huma Abedin use a cloth to wipe your server? It's absurd. It's absurd. She was making a lame joke and acting like she didn't know anything when we know she did. Frankly, they'd have more reason to question Hillary Clinton about that statement than they do asking Donald Trump about his statement about 30,000 emails, which brings us to the next big story of the day. The outrage that Donald Trump looked into investigating Hillary Clinton and James Comey. We'll explain all of that in a moment and why, well, it's not that outrageous at all. I'm Larry O'Connor, in for Mark Levin. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. Mark Levin, an unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. Larry O'Connor in for Mark Levin here on Thanksgiving Eve, and a happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Uh, I'm going to be talking in a bit, a very short bit, about uh, Mark's response to Justice Roberts. I'll give you my own opinion on it as well. Not too different, in fact, from the great one. Uh, With regard to the justice getting, the chief justice, I should say, getting caught up in a political back and forth with the president of the United States. Over the Ninth Circuit of all places, uh, by the way. Seriously, you'd think that Justice Roberts had uh, a little bit more on his plate with regard to the Ninth Circuit instead of worrying about what the president is saying about it. And again, the president is saying, once again, everything that you and I are thinking, 
that any normal American say, don't you think any normal American, you know what, I'll just get to this right now. Don't you think any normal American looking at the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, the most overturned appeals court in the country by far and for decades, don't you think every American looks at that and says, what in God's name is going on with those people? Why is it? Why is it these cases all make their way to the Ninth Circuit? It upends our country. It upends the rule of law. It upends our constitutional republic with the judiciary uh, barging in on the legislative branch and the executive branch completely out of their heads with power that they don't have. Then it makes its way to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court smacks them down and smacks them down and smacks them down over and over again. Every American looks and says, there's something wrong with that Ninth Circuit. And the guy who's actually overseeing the Ninth Circuit, the chief justice of the Supreme Court of the United States, decides that Trump is out of line for criticizing the Ninth Circuit. That that's the problem. You'd think the chief justice would pick up the phone and call his pals over there at the Ninth Circuit and say, hey, guys, we're seeing a pattern here. What's going on? Get with the program. It's called the Constitution. Read it once in a while. And, and, and Roberts decides that he wants to get into a, a Twitter war or a media war with Trump. That doesn't work out well. That doesn't get, it generally doesn't work out well for people. Uh, and and it's, it's not going to end well for the chief justice. And all President Trump said was, and what Justice Roberts took issue with, was that he referred to these Obama judges. And Robert says, we don't have Obama judges or Trump judges. We have federal judges. Thank you very much. Oh, give me a break. Again, the president talks like everyone in this country. He's a regular guy, and he says what we're all thinking, and he says what we're saying, and he uses language that we use. When you hear of a decision coming down, from a a federal judge somewhere in this country, and it sounds out of whack with your perspective on things, with your understanding of the Constitution, with your understanding of American tradition, and, and the long history of American jurisprudence up until the point you heard that ridiculous decision that came down, what's the first thing you think of? What's the first thing that comes into your mind? You say, what? Was that an Obama judge? Was it a Clinton judge? That wasn't a Bush judge, was it? There's no way it was a Bush judge. Right? And more often than not, you'll be validated. If it's an outrageous, crazy, leftist, liberal decision that has no bearing on our Constitution and the separation of powers and the tradition of American jurisprudence, it's usually a Democrat who appointed this judge. And, and, and if it's a sound conservative decision, it's usually a Reagan or a Bush judge. And Roberts takes issue with that. Uh, Mark, who is off today, otherwise, you know, he'd be getting emotionally worked up with you right now <laughs> instead of me, Larry O'Connor. Uh, he took to Facebook today, one of the most active and vital Facebook pages in the whole wide social media Internet world. And I'll tell you what he said. He said, it appears John Roberts doesn't live in the real world. 
A few decades ago, he understood that there are, in fact, too many progressive judges and justices who legislate from the bench. Indeed, when it came to Obamacare, Roberts himself led the court's leftists in rewriting the Constitution and imposing that damnable law on all of us. We don't need any lectures from him. Indeed, he should be admonishing his own branch of government for its outrageous activism rather than playing to the media by attacking the president. Classless. Well said, as always, Mark Levin. Let's go to Todd Mercer, New Jersey. He is listening on the great WABC in New York City. Todd, you're on the Mark Levin Show. I'm Larry O'Connor. Hey, good evening. I think hey. Mark called it two months into the election and identified the leaks, uh, which led to believe there was possible surveillance on the Trump campaign. You and bet. In a similar parallel, Daniel Sattel, S-I-T-T-E-L, on Google, says 1387 WordPress. The translation is at the back end of the picture. All right. Yeah, I think I, can, I hope we got that because uh, Todd wanted to say something else that he didn't tell the producer. And we'll move on. Now, let that be a lesson to all of you. If you try to sneak something else in that you didn't tell the producer, you will not be heard. So don't waste any of our time. Uh, how about... Um, Ross, St. Louis, listening on Sirius XM. Hey, Ross. Yeah, hey, thanks for everything on Thanksgiving Eve. Thanks for all that you guys do. Thank you. Um, I, my, my point on this is I, I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, what the judges should be. Justice Roberts said we don't have Trump judges. We don't have Obama judges. We just have judges. Well, I want people to take a step back and understand that the founders and the way that this should work, I think they got it right, is that they're all humans. We have checks and balances because it's understood that judges are not going to be completely impartial. Judges are not going to be neutral. They're not always going to get it right. So we've got to check and balance them, and we've got to, we've got to make sure that, that they operate within a system where if they overstep their boundaries, we have a way of making sure that we get the answer right. Which yeah. gets to the next issue. The next issue is when Trump is talking about Obama judges, right, it's less about, in my personal opinion, it's less about whether or not they're getting it right or wrong in some subjective world, right? Because some people would say they get it right, some people say they get it wrong. It's about the brand, what do we want our judges to use as a philosophy of jurisprudence? That's the key, because there are certain like jurisprudential philosophies. And I'm a lawyer, so um, I'm, I'm, I apologize if I'm using like weird. No, words. you're fine. You're, we're with yeah. you, Ross. Finish it up. Yeah. So, so my point is, Trump is pointing out that there is a judicial philosophy. Obama judges. It's a brand. Those people overstep, overstep the bounds of checks and balances. But guess what? If the president doesn't do something about it and Congress doesn't do something about it and the people don't speak up about it, if there's no balance, if there's no check, they get away with it. And if we don't like it, 
then we're going to have to live with it unless yeah. we decide that we're going to we're going to check and balance it. Well, so, right, well, and ultimately, Ross, and thank you for the call. I do appreciate you calling in. Ultimately, uh, if it doesn't resolve itself and we don't find the check and balances, you say, that uh, the legislative and or executive branch can have on the judiciary because it doesn't go in that direction often enough, then finally, we the people have the final check and balance with the Article 5 convention that I know you know uh, Mark has spoken about quite a bit. And frankly, that's one of the reasons why he thinks we have to have an Article 5 convention, because there are some things that need to be corrected and won't be corrected until that Article 5 convention happens. Things like the misinterpretation of the Commerce Clause that has allowed the judiciary and the legislative branch uh, to intrude on the operations of so much in this country that never should have been touched by the federal government. Ross, thank you for the call. I wouldn't even put it the way you put it when you say it's a a brand or a judicial jurisprudence philosophy. I'm not looking for a philosopher. I'm not looking for a judge who's going to sit on a federal bench and take a, a certain approach that he's learned. Here's what I want him to do. I want him to use the Constitution. It's a pretty simple document. They they took a long time to painstakingly write that Madison and Hamilton and, and the rest of the people at the convention under the watchful eye of, of President George Washington, not President of the United States, but President of that convention, the Constitutional Convention. They took great pains to put this in very plain language. So that the farmers of the time could understand it. So that the tavern owner of the time, the, the, the miller could understand it. The soldier in the Continental Army could understand it. It's the beauty of our documents that we all get it. We know what it means. It says what it says. And it says it the way it says it because it's very clear. We don't have to get too deep into jurisprudent philosophy bring it back to the constitution what did the founders expect from our federal government's role in our lives and what did they expect we the people to do with our own freedom and liberty period sometimes it's not that simple excuse me sometimes it's not that complicated uh thank you for that one other thing that i would say uh, to justice roberts here, who I think really and really was ill-advised in engaging in this argument with the president about whether there was no, there's an Obama. He says there, we don't have Obama judges and we don't have Bush judges or Trump judges. We just have federal judges. Let me tell you something, Mr. Chief Justice Roberts. If Al Gore had won the 2000 presidential election, there would be no Chief Justice Roberts. There would be no Justice Roberts. You would still be on the federal bench. Mr. Chief Justice Roberts, with all due respect, you are a Bush appointee. And you're only there because Bush won the election. And you were on the appropriate list of originalists, people who were approved by the Federalist Society, people that the Heritage Foundation had vetted, people that had had been proven to have a consistent originalist, conservative view of our federal government. What have you become, sir, that you don't understand that? Pal, you are a Bush justice. And and me, frankly, I'm happy for that. And those who voted for Gore in 2000, they're still angry about it. You're not going to fix that with this mamby-pamby statement talking about the world 
as you wish it to be. This is the world as it is. And by the way, pal, with all due respect, Mr. Chief Justice, based on my understanding of what you think the Constitution says and what you think the federal government's role is in our lives and the things that I've read you write and say about freedom, about liberty, about individualism, about the great things that this nation was founded on, if you really believe that, if you still believe it, you better hope that there will be more and more and more Trump judges and Trump justices appointed. Otherwise, with all due respect, you're a bit of a fraud. The other big story of the day, as promised, I jumped right into the Roberts thing here because I got worked up. Uh, In a moment, we get to the other outrage. The fact that the media and the Democrats and the Trump haters are outraged that Donald Trump, again, is thinking and saying and wanting exactly what you think and say and want. He thinks and says and wants Hillary Clinton and James Comey to be investigated by the federal government, by the Justice Department, because, you know, it sure seems like they broke laws. Why is that a problem? Why is that even a story? We discuss that next. I am Larry O'Connor. I'm in for Mark Levin. And this, of course, well, it's the Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin. O'Connor, I'm filling in for Mark Levin here on Thanksgiving Eve, and a happy Thanksgiving to you all. I'm trying to hit these uh, big stories that the media is making a big deal about today. The the Roberts thing, I think, is a big deal, and uh, and I'm I'm glad the president pushed back on it. Uh, the other stories, uh, frankly, it, it again shows exactly what's wrong with the way the media views this president and views you. Understand everything that they say about this president, they're really saying about you. They don't get you. They think you're racist. They think you're fascist. Uh, they think you're backward. They think you're ruining this country. Uh, that, that All of it. They are angry at you. They continue to be, and they just don't understand you. And that brings us to this last story. They're all insane. They're nuts. They're going crazy about the fact that the president while musing with his uh, White House counsel, uh, said, hey, well, why aren't we investigating? Why can't we get any kind of prosecution going against Hillary Clinton? Look at all the stuff she did. Look at the Uranium One thing. Uh, look at the fact that she didn't disclose to the Senate the dealings, the international dealings that her foundation had, even though it was contingent on the confirmation process. During her hearings, she promised and actually delivered a statement to Richard Luger, the senator. You remember this? Does anyone remember this? Uh, they actually raised the red flags back then and said, no, you know, with all due respect, Senator Clinton, I don't think you should be Secretary of State because you've got this foundation. They've got dealings with other countries. She said, oh, well, any dealings that are that, that my husband or the foundation has with a foreign country will disclose it completely and we'll let you know. Really? Did, did you get that disclosure on Uranium One and the Russians by any chance? Did you get because I missed that memo. Why can't we get an investigation of that? Comey clearly took FBI documents, leaked them through his friend of the New York Times. That's a violation of the law right there. Where's that investigation? And again, this is exactly what you are thinking as you watch the news go. And so here, a year ago, I had the honor of interviewing the president at the White House. Listen to that. This is the question I asked him a year ago. 
you know, whenever I open up the phone lines here in Northern Virginia, Maryland, and West Virginia, Pennsylvania, here in the greater Washington area, say, you know, what do you want the administration to be doing? What do you want the president to be doing? I, this may shock you. One of the things they keep asking for is for the Justice Department to really, truly, honestly investigate Hillary Clinton, the Uranium One. They don't feel like justice has really been done there. Exactly. And that is the absolute truth. I took that question to him. And I said, why, why haven't we had an investigation, a real investigation of Hillary Clinton? And I took that question because so many of the people who listen to my program and call me every day ask the same thing. I know you ask the same thing when you yell back at the television, when you see Hillary Clinton doing some interview. You say, why aren't you in jail? Why didn't they investigate? How many people have been put in prison for doing less than what Hillary did with classified information? Here was the president's answer back then. It's really telling, considering today's story. Listen. You know, the saddest thing is that because I'm the president of the United States, I am not supposed to be involved with the Justice Department. I'm not supposed to be involved with uh, the FBI. I'm not supposed to be doing the kind of things that I would love to be doing. And I'm very frustrated by it. I look at what's happening with the Justice Department. Why aren't they going after Hillary Clinton with her emails and with her uh, the dossier and the kind of money? I don't know. Is it possible that they paid 124 million dollars for the dossier and how is it which is total phony yeah. and how is it and 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 now let, think about all of the things that we've learned in this past year and how they paid for that dossier and how it was used for a fisa warrant and 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 how an innocent man like carter page has been uh, surveilled without any charges brought against him on a fraud and we can't get an investigation and the big story the scandal is that the president asked why we can't get an investigation I'm Larry O'Connor. It's the Mark Levin. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. What about America are you grateful for? As you bow your head in thanks to the Almighty tomorrow, as every great American across this nation will do, and give thanks for the blessings that have been bestowed upon us. What specifically about our country 
are you thankful for? What will you be thanking God for today, 2018 Thanksgiving? What about this country that we live in today are you grateful for? What do you get from this country that you are thankful for? And will you express that gratitude tomorrow at your Thanksgiving table? 877-381-3811. I want to hear from you. This could be very important as people have lost sight of the fact that this American holiday instituted by George Washington, no, it wasn't the Pilgrims and the Indians. I'll blow that away in a minute. George Washington instituted our first Thanksgiving as the United States of America's president in his first year, specifically to thank God for this country. We've lost sight of that. You probably maybe were never even taught that. Well, I'll explain in a minute and give you all those details, but I want you to line up now. 877-381-3811, as you express to everyone in the Mark Levin audience why you're grateful for this incredible nation, this, this gift from God, literally, on this planet, you could be inspiring others. You could be reminding others that as challenging and difficult as it may be these days living in this country, as we see our liberties and our freedoms eroding, we're still the greatest country on earth, and we do have an obligation to thank God for it. And and people need to be reminded of that. So let's hear it from you, 877-381-3811. Hey, I'm Larry O'Connor. I'm filling in for Mark Levin here on Thanksgiving Eve. Uh, by way of introduction, I am on social media. You can find me, Larry O'Connor, with an O-R. And I am the afternoon radio host in Washington, D.C., your nation's capital. I do uh, the afternoon uh, drive time show. I get to come uh, on right before Mark Levin. So I'm, I'm sort of his warm-up act. I'm the, I'm the schlocky stand-up. Before things get serious. And I like it, by the way. Uh, and I, always an honor and a uh, privilege to be sitting in for the great one. 877-381-3811. So, yeah, th- this is an American holiday for sure. And, yes, I know we think about the pilgrims and the Indians and the first Thanksgiving. Well, yeah, okay. All right, fine. First of all, they ate lobster, you know. So how much of a Thanksgiving could it be? Yeah, and lobster. Uh, and it wasn't America then, okay? This is an important distinction. Yes, we had a Thanksgiving, and yes, they are technically our forefathers since they were amongst the first colonists here in North America, but they were still subjects of the British crown at that time. Uh, and, and I think it's an important distinction to make that that first Thanksgiving under our president, under our Constitution, as the United States of America, not the the Confederate papers, not the colonies under the Declaration of Independence, but no, finally, in free and independent, self-sufficient state with our own representation and our own chief executive, our own head of state, George Washington, who, who created this day, with the permission of Congress, by the way, I'll get to that in a moment, in 1789. That made Thanksgiving an American day. That's where this day uh, finds its lineage. And let me tell you, first, an important thing for you to know. Even then, in the nascent days of our constitutional republic, when the capital was in that godforsaken city of New York, Manhattan, (laughs) uh, before President Washington 
made his proclamation and declared and uh, implored the governors to uh, spread the word around and make sure that each state honored this Thanksgiving Day that at the time was Thursday, November 26, 1789. He made the proclamation in October. But before that happened, he went to his old pal there on Capitol Hill. Well, I guess there wasn't a Capitol Hill, was there? But he went to his old pal in Congress, James Madison, fellow Virginian, who, of course, as you know, had a great hand in constructing our Constitution, constructing our our government at that Constitutional Convention, a fellow Virginian who, along with New Yorker Alexander Hamilton, a great trusted aide to uh, then-President George Washington, but even before that, General George Washington, uh, he was in that convention as well, and he was a, a huge architect of the government. But when when Washington had questions about the separations of power, about the role of the of the executive branch about the role of president and what he could do and how far he could stretch it. He wouldn't pick up the phone and call his secretary of the treasury all the time. Well, of course, they didn't have phones. He wouldn't call Hamilton. Hamilton was too busy putting together his plans for a Broadway musical. No, he would go to Madison. Madison was in Congress. And he thought it was important to bounce these things off of him all the time. Now, this is before Madison and Jefferson, you know, created the Democratic Republican Party and and created the factions that ended up being really hurtful to President Washington in his second term and in his post-presidency. Uh, the, the divisiveness that we see in our uh, two-party system today was sort of born that early on, and Madison became a major agitator with Jefferson against Washington back then. But no, in this early, very, very early days, Washington would lean on Madison, and he, he reached out to him, and he said, listen, here's what I want to do. I want to I want to I want to ask the Senate for their advice on this, but I want there to be a great day of Thanksgiving. And Madison said, I, I think you can. I think you should talk to the Senate about it and let's get everybody on board. Right. Back then, it wasn't thought of as being a bipartisan thing. It was the executive branch asking the legislative branch to to work on this together so that we're all of one mind. And he did. And there were some who, who resisted it. They thought that maybe it was, you know, oh, all this talk of thanking God, maybe that's not appropriate in this uh, secular government, a religious nation, but secular government. Um, and they some those voices were drowned out, thankfully. And eventually it was determined that, yes, the president can and should do this. And here's what the preamble of his proclamation said. George Washington's proclamation in 1789, he, he proclaimed this in October, and it was instituted a month later. Uh, listen. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and humbly to implore his protection and favor, and whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity, opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, da, 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 and then he goes on to it. But did you catch that at the end there? The whole point of this is to acknowledge with grateful hearts the many favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. 
the whole point of Thanksgiving was to express our gratitude to God for our country and the ability to form our government. Does that come up at your Thanksgiving table? Of all the things we are grateful for, do we ever stop and go back and express our gratitude that we were expressing in our very first Thanksgiving? Under the watchful eye of the father of our nation, President George Washington, who implored us to thank Almighty God for America. We've forgotten. Some of us have never even been taught. So I ask you, on this Thanksgiving Eve, as we do all the hustle and bustle and prepare our bird and all the fixings and all the stuffing, not dressing, and the mashed potatoes and the Brussels sprouts and the green beans and the butternut squash, I've just given you what our menu is for tomorrow. As we prepare for the great Washington Redskins victory over the Dallas Cowboys tomorrow, and, of course, the Detroit Lions pounding the living daylights out of the Chicago Bears, do we stop and think about our gratitude for America? Will you do that tomorrow? What are you grateful about when all is said and done? 240 years later, what are you grateful about in this country as it still stands? 877-381-3811. Let's go to Martin, Gainesville, Florida. Martin, you're first up. I'm Larry O'Connor on the Mark Levin Show. Wow, Larry. I'm going to go ahead and give you the leeway to make your football picks. (laughs) (laughs) I I got the microphone. Uh, Don't even get me started on Michigan and Ohio State this Saturday. I just wanted to say this. I'm really thankful. I've... um, I've been on the earth for a little while. i got a couple of kids. I'm living my life here in Gainesville, loving life. I'm fixing to try and move out to a new career, a new pathway. And what I'm thankful for is that as I look out at the job horizon in this city and the surrounding areas in north central Florida, I see a ton of jobs, all sorts of directions that I could go in. And there's one explanation for that. It's the economy. And I want to thank God for our exquisite president, Donald Trump, who has done all he can for our citizens of this nation to prosper. And that's what I'm thanking the Lord of this universe for, is that we finally had someone who stood up for the common man and is making things available to those who want to go out and look and search for a living and a way to make their lives improve. It's out there. And thank you. I appreciate the time. Beautifully said, Martin. Happy Thanksgiving to you, sir. And thank Thank you for calling in. It's so important that you hear what Martin just said there, because it's not just about the prosperity. Okay, you know, you see these people coming on their caravan and evading our country and trying to cross into our border. And they say, well, they just want a better life. Uh, They see America as some sort of cash register, that this is some place where they can get something from us. Right. Uh, uh, Martin was not thanking God for this prosperous nation and all the riches that we had so that he can get something. No. Did you hear what he said? He said he thanks God that he has the freedom and opportunity to go out and make his own way. Unencumbered 
by the government restricting him to do so, unencumbered by by constraints on the economy. The the reason that they're coming to this country from other nations, the reason they're coming from those broken nations that have failed them is because they have all of the encumbrance in those countries on their system, on their economic system. They have a corrupt and overwhelming government that tries to dictate every aspect of their lives. Let this be a lesson to the Bernie Sanders generation, to the millennials who are so taken by this idea of socialism. The, the, the whole idea of our country is to not look at our government and look at the prosperity that we have earned and to say, okay, give me some. No. The way we've earned that prosperity is to have the freedom to go out and get it and find our way on our own with our independence, with our liberty, without the burdens of government. So many people forget, and they so often fixate on our wealth, and they say, oh, thank God for the wealth of this nation. No, thank God that our nation was formed with a free market system that allowed us to earn our wealth, make our money, not get money given to us from someone else. We earn it. We make money. Make money is a good thing. All right. Great way to get us started, Martin. We will continue with this. I want to hear from you and and others want to hear from you, too. Keeping with George Washington's original idea and his proclamation for this Thanksgiving holiday that we will all celebrate starting tonight, going into tomorrow. What are you thankful for with regard to America? What about this country makes you grateful? Because that's really what Thanksgiving is all about. Thanking God for allowing us to have this country. 877-381-3811. I'm Larry O'Connor. It's the Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin. It's Larry O'Connor sitting in for Mark Levin. Coast to coast, hundreds of radio stations, millions of listeners. Uh, not feeling under pressure at all. No, no, no pressure. I uh, am the afternoon host in Washington, D.C. on WMAL right before Mark gets on. And I appreciate you letting me into your daily life today. As I'm asking you, what about America are you grateful for? When we give thanks tomorrow on this American holiday, we should include in those blessings that we that we articulate the blessing of this nation. That's what George Washington had in mind. So uh, what about America are you grateful for? 877-381-3811. Speaking of WMAL, there's Glenn in Fredericksburg, Virginia. You're next up on the Mark Levin Show. Hi, this is Glenn. Hey, Glenn. How are you? Good. What are you grateful for? Oh, I got all kinds of things. Uh, First of all, I'm a Vietnam veteran. I'm glad to have fought for my country and served. I've seen most of what cap, what socialism brings in the, the far off Asia and that sort of thing. Uh, also, I'm a pancreatic cancer survivor. Thanks for the medication and the, the current uh, wow. rules that we do have. Yeah, kind of. That's a incredible, Glenn. That not a lot of people can say that they survived pancreatic cancer. Oh, I know. The doctors all did a high five when they last scan that I just had. That's great. 
they're thrilled. But anyway, I'm, I'm so glad. I, uh, my family goes back to the 1630s when they came. Hydestown and Hydesville are named after us. Uh, and we fought in most of the wars to preserve our freedom. And I'm just thankful to God that all these blessings have come upon me at this time. All right. And, and about specific about America that we're living in today, what's the thing that's overriding about your, your gratitude? What are you really thankful for? Hillary got her butt kicked. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine the nightmare we would have if that woman had been elected. All right, Glenn. Uh, thank you, Glenn in Fredericksburg. Well said. See, that's that's my radio station in D.C. That's WML. That's WML Nation right there. These are my people. All right. If you're on the line, stay on. We're going to continue this conversation. This is an American holiday. What about America are you thankful for? I'm Larry O'Connor, the Mark Levin Show. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. Mark Levin, the most passionate conservative on radio. Talk with him now at 877-381-3811. Larry O'Connor sitting in for Mark Levin on the Mark Levin Show. It's Thanksgiving Eve. Talking about the American aspect of Thanksgiving. It is an American holiday. It was instituted by George Washington officially his first year as president. Uh, in our newly formed United States of America under our Constitution. And the language of his proclamation was clear to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness, especially to thank them, to thank God, for the ability to form our government, especially to thank God for America. That was the whole point of this holiday. And I know that, listen, I'm not one of those guys, we've lost the real meaning of Thanksgiving. Stop playing football and stop eating turkey. It's really about you should just sit there, you know, and, and wear plain clothing and uh, straight back chair and think about America. I'm not saying that. I'm saying maybe we should spend a little bit of time tomorrow as we detail all of the incredible blessings that we have, to focus on the fact that we have so many of these blessings because of this great country, because of those who sacrificed before us to form and preserve this country. And, and it starts by articulating, openly saying to yourself, to your family, to the world in this case, by calling 877-381-3811, saying, 
what it is about this country today, 2018, what it is you're thankful for. What are you grateful for about America right now? Let's go to Taylor in Brooklyn, New York, listening on WABC. Hey, Taylor. I'm Larry O'Connor. Hey, good afternoon. Good evening. How are you? I'm good. What are you grateful for? All right. Well, I'll tell you. Uh, I'm grateful for having the chance to share with the audience a wonderful article on the blatant, shameless liberal bias in the mass media. It's uh, titled Who Rules America? And it's a PDF at freepdf.info. All right. Well, did, what, what does it say? Let's not let's not plug the website. Let's just say what 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 the actual article says. What are you grateful for? Okay. What what the article? What, well, first of all, I'm grateful that most Americans are waking up. Uh, and uh, they're not believing the lies and falsehoods and platitudes uh, that are routinely drummed into their heads nonstop, 24 hours a day by the mass media, mm-hmm. traditional liberal mass media. Uh, because you know, it's, it's a very critical point, because you have to understand, in any democracy where you have majority rule, uh, and uh, basically our politicians are elected on the basis of majority elections, you know, basically the people who really control political power in a democracy are the people who shape public opinion. Now, well, and, uh, well in many respects, they certainly have a, a, a determinant uh, 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 action on what ends up happening. But I think that we've proven, didn't we, Taylor, if that were so, if it were so uh, black and white and cut and dry, then we'd be looking at the second year of Hillary Clinton's presidency wrapping well, yeah, up. That's your, you know, I'm glad you said that. You know, basically what really drove Trump over the top is not only the facts on the ground, uh, the demographic change in the country, uh, that the country is rapidly turning into a third world slum instead of a first world European nation as to what our forefathers intended it to be. Uh, so the facts on the ground are rapidly shifting demographically. So reality is becoming a little hard to ignore, despite the nonstop media propaganda. And number two, uh, the Internet, the growth of the Internet, the growth of talk radio, these things have shifted the balance of power with regard to the media landscape, well, particularly particularly with regard to the Internet. It's the reason why ch- people like Chuck Schumer, Diane Feinstein, Mike Bloomberg, Mark Zuckerberg, and all the rest of them, uh, the reason why they want to censor the Internet so badly, why they're so hot to put government controls on the Internet, is because it is the only mass medium that is not under the control of the traditional mass media, the Viacoms, the Comcast. Yeah, the, uh, Taylor, th- thank you. I don't disagree with much of what you said, and thank you for the call. And I am grateful as well that the American people are, are wasting skeptical of the mass media, and I'm grateful that they have the ability to find the real truth from other avenues. Um, I disagree with much of what you said, though, uh, frankly, especially suggesting that our founders only wanted this country uh, to be a a European nation. I I think that that's quite actually, frankly, quite false. Uh, They specifically were recoiling against many of the things that they saw in Europe, especially, think about it, we're talking about the the President Washington and his first two terms, and the, the bedlam that he saw going on in France uh, repulsed him. Uh, no, there was actually something quite non-European about what we formed here in America, and they were quite proud of that. And frankly, I mean, listen, my children, I have four kids, and they're half Asian. Their descendants, just one generation from their mother, uh, go to uh, Asia, to China, to Taiwan, to uh, the Philippines. But they are as American as anyone from England or France, because America was about an idea, 
not a nationality, not a bloodline. To to suggest that they wanted this nation and intended this nation to be European is just blatantly false on the on the face of it. Because some of the greatest Americans I've ever met have no connection to Europe. That's what I'm grateful for, is that we are Americans because we believe in something much bigger than geography, much bigger than bloodline, much bigger than DNA and race. We believe in values and principles and ideas. So uh, respectfully, I disagree on, on that part, but I agree with much of what you said, and I appreciate the call. 877-381-3811. What are we grateful for here on this Thanksgiving, specific to America? What are you grateful about this country? Danielle, Augusta, Georgia. Danielle, you are on the Mark Levin Show. Hi. Hi. Um, yes, I am thankful for the American people and helping make America great. Um, the first guy I heard on the radio mentioned he was thankful for Trump and his administration, and I'm definitely thankful for this as well. But I wanted to thank each and every American who helped put him and his administration in office. I mean, we're in this together. Yeah, it's a great point, Danielle. If you're grateful for the president, that means by extension you're grateful for the voters who put him there. And and boy, did, did, did we pull together and defy all the odds and defy all of the smart guys who knew better than us and told us that we were every name in the book, uh, beginning with deplorable, Daniel, Danielle. And, and, we, and we, we transcended that and said, no, we know what we believe. We know what we want. And we cast our vote. And, and it, was, it was rather miraculous. It was. And I'm yeah. so happy for it. Thank you, Danielle. I am, too. I am grateful for that. I'm grateful for the voters for doing that. And I'm, I'm hopeful that they'll continue two years from now and give this president a second term, should he want it. You know what? And by extension, I'm actually grateful for one other thing that is uh, kind of related to that. Uh, I'm grateful for those people who put together those great YouTube montages of uh, the cable news and broadcast news networks reacting on election night <laughs> to the results. Now, honestly, I, I did a live event uh, in uh, it was in northern Virginia. I think it was in Alexandria uh, just two days before the election or three days before the election. And uh, we were broadcasting and we had an audience at this event in, in the greater Washington, D.C. area. And uh, we finished up the program. You know, it was the last one we did, I think, before the election or last Friday before the election. And uh, I made my case for voting for President Trump. And I, and I gave multiple reasons, um, not least of which uh, the. the the fact that he will cut taxes, the fact that he will uh, enforce our immigration laws and build the wall, uh, the fact that he will cut regulations and free up our economy, the fact that he will not be Hillary Clinton. That was a big one. That was the easiest one. Uh, the fact that he will be appointing justices. But the last one was this. I said uh, the, the other really compelling reason to vote for this man is to see what will happen on television the night that it happens, to see George Stephanopoulos's head almost literally explode, but certainly figuratively explode into a million pieces as he comes to grips with the fact that uh, everything that he thought, and all, it's not just George, it's all of his contemporaries, all of his colleagues, every single one of them to a man and a woman and, and other, uh, all were so certain that Hillary Clinton would win because, well, because of course. And was that not a glorious thing to witness that night? And I am so grateful to the really talented people who have put together those YouTube videos so that we can enjoy it in perpetuity.
Some nights I I gotta see it. It just I, I I need a little fix. I need to remind myself what happened that night. And and boy, did I call that one. I don't make a lot of predictions, but that was the prediction that if he wins, it would be mayhem on cable and network news. And it was, and it was glorious, and it was beautiful. And thank you for it. How about Chris Lynchburg, Virginia, listening on Sirius XM? Hey, Chris, I'm Larry O'Connor. It's the Mark Levin Show. Hey, Larry. Great to talk to you again. I lived in Arlington for a spell and would listen to you on my way home from work. So oh, cool. uh, good to hear you on uh, the Levin Show. Thanks. Um, one real quick thing. I, you could talk about a million different things of benefits of being an American or whatever, but if you crunch the numbers, I think it's roughly 330 million and 7 billion people in the world. It's a four, it comes about to about be a 4% chance of being an American. So that alone... That chance uh, for me to have that opportunity—that that's enough for me to be thankful uh, for right there. So, Boy, that is I'll a let, great point. The, I'll let someone else get on the line, but I uh, just wanted to throw that number out there. It's a pretty, pretty close margin. All right, Chris, thank you for that. Down in Lynchburg, I appreciate it, and that is a great way to—that's uh, great perspective to have on it. Uh, you, you know, we all sort of won the the, the genetic lottery, didn't we? By by sort of a, a pulling drawn to an inside straight and being born here instead of elsewhere. But see, it's it's not just luck. It's not just about uh, oh hey, I was born an American, so I get everything that an American gets. No, no, no. We got to work every day for it. We need to fight every day for it. If the events of the last two years didn't prove that to you, I don't know what will. Yeah, yeah, Chris and Lynchburg, you're absolutely correct. We were very fortunate, very lucky, one in a million chance to get here, uh, or some statistic you just cited. But once we get it, now what? We got to keep fighting. It's it's this country is not going to stay on its course, on the right course, on the correct course, the course envisioned by Washington and the other founders, unless we are willing to fight to keep it on that course. That's why you listen to the Mark Levin Show. Uh, That's why I listen to the Mark Levin Show. Anthony, Newark, New Jersey, also listening on WABC. Anthony, you're on the Mark Levin Show. Yeah, I just wanted to say I I am thankful that my kids can, can grow up and pretty much do whatever it is that they want to do as, you know, as in like, uh, education wise, they, they want to be a conductor. If they want to be an artist, a musician, they can do that. Mm. And I'm, I'm very thankful that, uh, it's supported for them. You know, Anthony, I love hearing that, especially because, you know, I come from the arts world. I don't know. You don't know a whole lot about me, but I used to work uh, up in New York there. I used to actually live in Jersey City right near you. And I worked on Broadway because I used to I used to work in theater and the performing arts. And most conservatives aren't thrilled when they find out their kids want to be in theater or in the arts. So I, I so much appreciate that you pointed out, singled out the performing arts as something that you you yeah. are happy that your kids can pursue if they wish. Yeah, my youngest one loves the arts, loves the theater. My oldest one's into all the heavy equipment and and trains and stuff. They can do that. Yep. They they, they have the entire world ahead of them. They have that choice. They have that opportunity. And, Anthony, here's the thing. Every time I hear a parent complain or, or an adult complain about the liberal Hollywood and liberal culture and liberal television and liberal theater and liberal music, I always turn to them and say, really? So when your kids said they wanted to be an actor or a writer or a musician, did you encourage them? Or did you tell them to get a real job? And, Anthony, you're encouraging them, and I appreciate that. Well done, sir. 
Yes, thank you. God bless and uh, happy Thanksgiving. Amen. Happy Thanksgiving. All right, stay out of the line. I want to get more of that. I love this. I really think this is important to to really. Are, it's one thing to think it. It's one thing to write about it. It's one thing to read about what makes this country so remarkable and all of the things that we should be grateful for. But there is something very important about standing up and voicing it, articulating it, saying it. It makes a difference. It's why often in, in church, in our place of worship, we don't just pray silently. We pray together out loud, don't we? There's a reason for that. It is affirmation. It's a re- There's a reason why we all stand and sing the national anthem together as a group so that we are all joining together and affirming this great thing. So when you articulate why you're thankful for this country on this Thanksgiving, as George Washington envisioned we would, we are making a difference, and, and people are hearing it, and they are owning that gratitude as well. So stay on the line or jump in here, 877-381-3811. I am Larry O'Connor. This is the Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin. Larry O'Connor, I'm sitting in for Mark Levin here on the Mark Levin Show, and we're reflecting on the father of our nation's words in proclaiming our Thanksgiving tradition. In 1789, George Washington specifically said to thank the Almighty, uh, not just for our blessings, of course, and all of the uh, great things that the Lord has given us, but specifically the ability to form this nation. We were to thank and continue to thank God for America. And sure, this is not the same America as uh, November 1789, uh, but there's still some great things that connect all the way back there. Thank God. And I'm asking you, what is it about this country that you are grateful for this Thanksgiving 2018? Uh, How about uh, David in Savannah, Georgia? You're next up. Hey, David. Good evening, sir. Hi, go ahead. Um, Hey, sir, I, I, I'm just blessed that the United States of America allowed my dad into this country back in the 60s after the Bay of Pigs and met my mom in 1968. I was born in 1971, and I, I, I just thank Jesus for that, and I, I thank Jesus for, for me to have the right to bear arms. And may everybody in the United States throughout the world be blessed in the name of Jesus for eternity, and whoever comes into contact with him, if they shall believe. All right, sir. Thank you for that. I do like gratitude for the Second Amendment, that's for sure. Uh, which, again, of the God-given right of self-defense, self-protection, that is not granted via the Constitution. It's granted by God that each of us can protect ourselves. And the Constitution enshrines in the Bill of Rights the fact that the government can't infringe on that right. But we don't get that right from the Constitution. I a lot of people on the left don't quite get that right. Thanks for that call. Uh, I do love the patriotism of descendants of Cubans who came here fleeing Fidel Castro and and set up a new life in America. They, they, honestly, their patriotism and love of this country uh, stands apart sometimes to me. Uh, how about uh, Mark in Valdez, North Carolina? Mark, you're next up. I'm Larry O'Connor, the Mark Levin Show. Hi. Yes, uh I was a uh, missionary church planner uh, overseas in the Middle East for many years and met my wife from Poland, and we've been in the United States for the last two years. My Both of my children originally were, were Polish citizens. They've become American citizens in the last couple of years, and I'm telling you, it is such an honor 
to see my two precious babies growing up in this country. And I just thank God that we're all here, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Yeah, amen to that. Great way to end this hour. Thank you for that, Mark. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Don't forget, as you bow your heads tomorrow, and thank God for all your blessings, you include America in there. I'm Larry O'Connor. This is The Mark Levin Show. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. I'm Larry O'Connor sitting in for the great one, the indispensable one, the irreplaceable one, the pretty cool one, Mark Levin. Here on the Mark Levin Show, 877-381-3811, if you want to join the party on this Thanksgiving Eve. By the way, in 30 minutes, so excited to talk to my friend Jedediah Bila. You know her from Fox News as a contributor. She did that uh, View show for a while, if you could uh, make it through some of the screaming back and forth there around that table. She was the sane one. She's got a new book about uh, unplugging from the digital world, getting getting away from the social media uh, addiction, literally an addiction. And I'm very interested in talking to her about that. Jedediah Bila joins us in just 30 minutes. Uh, I want to talk about what happened today between the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court and the President of the United States. It is rather extraordinary and uh, frankly disgraceful for Chief Justice Roberts to wade into this discussion. Yesterday, the president uh, made a point to criticize the Ninth Circuit. He recognizes, just like you and I recognize, like any normal American recognizes, that the Ninth Circuit is the most overturned uh, appeals court in this country. They are constantly wasting the court's time by coming up with ridiculous unconstitutional decisions and rulings that end up uh, wasting a ton of money and a ton of time all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court just smacks them right back down where they belong. And the president voiced that opposition to the Ninth Circuit's decision over the uh, the sanctuary policies that he was trying to put into place, the asylum policies, uh, daring to suggest that if one wants to petition for asylum in the United States of America, that there are proper channels uh, through which one must uh, uh, apply uh, completely within his jurisdiction as the uh, head of state and the commander-in-chief and the head of the executive branch of government. Uh, anybody who even has a basic understanding of the Constitution knows that, but it was an Obama judge, of course, that, that uh, struck this down and put a temporary restraining order on his policies. And he said as much. We got a problem with these Obama judges on the Ninth Circuit. You know why the president said that, by the way? Because we've got a problem with the Obama judges on the Ninth Circuit. And, and any American who understands our Constitution and has a concern about these decisions looked at the television when they heard this news or looked at their radio if they were driving and heard the news over the radio, and they said to themselves, or back at the television screen, hey, we've got a problem with the Obama judges on the Ninth Circuit. So the president, as usual, reflecting normative Americans' views of things, reflecting your ideas, and quite honestly, uh, using words that any normal American would use. What's wrong with these Obama judges? And Chief Justice John Roberts decides to pose and posture and preen and stick his head out like a peacock, very proud of his tail feathers. And he said, we do not have Obama. 
Obama judges or Trump judges, Bush judges or Clinton judges. What we have is an extraordinary group of dedicated judges doing their level best to do equal right to those appearing before them. No, we don't. They're not doing their level best. They're pushing an agenda, Mr. Chief Justice. That independent judiciary is something we should all be thankful for. Justice Robert, what is he getting? Is he getting advice from James Comey about how to make public utterances that are completely unwarranted, unnecessary, uncalled for, and really something that none of us were wondering? Gee, I wonder what Roberts thinks about this. Here's what I wonder, Robert, what Roberts thinks about. I wonder what Chief Justice Roberts thinks about the Ninth Circuit constantly wasting his court's time with ridiculous, obscene decisions that end up getting overturned eventually. And meanwhile, how much time is wasted in this country? How much money is wasted? How many rights and liberties are infringed upon by that Ninth Circuit? Yes, full of Obama justices, judges. Uh, the, the, the president fired back via Twitter, as is his want. He said, sorry, Chief Justice John Roberts, but you do indeed have Obama judges. And they have a much different point of view than the people who are charged with the safety of our country. It would be great if the Ninth Circuit was indeed an independent judiciary. But if it is, why are so many opposing views on border and safety cases filed there? And why are a vast number of those cases overturned? Please study the numbers. They are shocking. We need protection and security. These rulings are making our country unsafe, very dangerous, and unwise. And he's, of course, correct. And, and, and Justice Roberts needs to understand that there would be no Justice Roberts if Al Gore had won the presidency in 2000. So, Justice Roberts, I hate to break this to you, but you're a Bush judge. That's why you're there. And if you can't acknowledge that simple fact, I don't, I don't know what to do for you. Uh, Mark Levin, by the way, took to his very dynamic Facebook page today and uh, chimed in on this. I'll give you his words. He said, it appears John Roberts doesn't live in the real world. A few decades ago, he understood that there are, in fact, too many progressive judges and justices who legislate from the bench. Indeed, when it came to Obamacare, Roberts himself led the court's leftists in rewriting the Constitution and imposing that damnable law on all of us. We don't need any lectures from him. Indeed, he should be admonishing his own branch of government for its outrageous activism rather than playing to the media by attacking the president. Classless. So saith Mark Levin today on his Facebook page, which I know you're already a, uh, a member of. Uh, so, And he's absolutely correct. The, Justice Roberts, instead of chastising the executive branch and trying to get into a public spat with President Trump in the media, which really generally never really ends well for anyone. Uh, rather than that, why doesn't he actually do something? Why doesn't he have to actually use his influence, use his stature, use his position as uh, chief justice of the Supreme Court, as the de facto uh, uh, head of the judicial branch of government in the United States of America and actually try to institute some reforms and some changes there in the Ninth Circuit because he does have a broken court over there. The numbers do not lie. But there's one other thing about this preening, about this behavior, about this ill-advised 
choice for the justice to wade into politics. And this was political. I'm sorry. This was a political move by Justice Roberts, and he's been around Washington, D.C. long enough to know that it was. He's been around long enough to know what the reaction would be, what the media reaction would be, what the Democrats and the Trump-hating Republicans in his town of Washington, D.C. would be, what their reaction would be, and what they would do with this statement. He knew that when he made this statement, he was declaring a spat with the president And he knew what the repercussions would be. So he decided to get political today, did he? John Roberts, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, decided that today, the day before Thanksgiving, he decided to get political with President Trump. Fascinating choice on his behalf. Because he's had a lot of opportunities in his career to get political with the President of the United States. No, not this President talking about the last one you see chief justice roberts was sitting in the chamber of the house of representatives when barack obama president of the united states publicly humiliated him and his court by lying about them in the supreme court the in the state of the union now the state of the union joint session of congress held in the chamber of the House, and it's just become tradition, almost mandatory, that multiple members of the president's cabinet would attend, and a good number of the Supreme Court justices would attend. Sometimes, of late, they've bowed out and said, yeah, I'm okay. Ruth Bader Ginsburg shows up, and she sleeps through the whole thing. She's sleeping one off, in fact. She's uh, thrown back a couple couple of drinks there before she goes into the chamber. But but back on this day, the president gave his State of the Union address, and uh, pretty much all of the Supreme Court justices, except one, I think except Kennedy, was in attendance. And President Obama, knowing that decorum dictates that the Supreme Court justices do not applaud, do not react, they are to sit there stone-faced... They can't respond. They've got to sit there and participate in this political melodrama. And Obama knows that. Do you remember? While Roberts was sitting there with his fellow justices, the president said this. With all due deference to separation of powers, last week the Supreme Court reversed a century of law that I believe will open the floodgates for special interests, including foreign corporations, to spend without limit in our elections. Now, and look at all the Democrats standing and applauding. All the Democrats standing up and applauding. And uh, Justice Alito, all by himself, Shakes his head and mouths the words, not true. You know why he mouthed the words, not true? Because it wasn't true. And so I did an exhaustive search of the Internet. I've been searching for hours today to find Chief Justice John Roberts' reaction to President Obama. To see, where is his statement? When the President of the United States 
stood up in front of the American people, stood up in front of the Supreme Court, Congress and the Senate, a joint session of Congress and the State of the Union address, lied about their decision in Citizens United, humiliated those justices, made them the subject of scorn as they're surrounded by Democrats who are all standing and applauding that lie. Incredibly uncomfortable situation for them to have to sit through. Where was Chief Justice Roberts standing up for his Supreme Court? Where was Chief Justice Roberts issuing a statement, getting political with President Obama, pushing back on that display? I couldn't find it. Shocking, isn't it? It seems as though Justice Roberts thought that uh, discretion was the better part of valor that day. It seems that Chief Justice Roberts decided it would be inappropriate at that time for him to get political. It would be inappropriate for him to protect the independence of the judiciary against President Barack Obama lying about the Supreme Court, lying about the Citizens United decision, politicizing the Supreme Court's decision, humiliating the justices in front of the American people and a joint session of Congress. It it appears that day Chief Justice Roberts decided that it wouldn't be appropriate for him to say something in defense of his fellow justices, in defense of the judiciary. It's interesting, isn't it? He picks and chooses which fights to wage. He picks and chooses the moments that he's going to get political. This time, when it's President Trump complaining about the Obama judges on the Ninth Circuit, well, now, well, now you've gone too far. Now we've got to make a federal case out of it. Now we're going to stand up for the independence of the judiciary. And now we're going to engage in a public spat with the president. Where were you? Where were you nine years ago when President Obama dragged your court into the spotlight, lied about them, and publicly humiliated them? I'm Larry O'Connor. This is the Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin. a century of law that I believe will open the floodgates for special interests, including foreign corporations, to spend without limit in our elections. President Barack Obama, during his State of the Union address in one of the most publicly humiliating moments for the judiciary in American history, unprecedented moment, calling out the Supreme Court to their face, knowing that they couldn't respond, knowing that they couldn't even react because decorum dictates that they don't. In fact, people were criticizing Justice Alito for daring to shake his head and say not true because, of course, it wasn't true. Chief Justice Roberts sat there and took it. Because that's just the kind of lapdog he is, apparently. He thought it wasn't worthy of his position to push back on President Obama. But today, he criticizes President Trump because Trump says exactly what everybody's thinking, and that is the Ninth Circuit is completely messed up because of Obama judges. And we get Roberts preening and prancing around, showing us his, his, uh, how beautiful his black robe is there with the stripes on it, because he's the chief, don't you know? How dare you, sir? How dare you suggest that we have Obama judges? For God's sake, man, you're a Bush justice yourself. What are you? What are you? What are we doing here? 
But when Obama did that to you in your court to your face, that didn't rise to the level of, of any kind of righteous indignation? Jim Joplin, Missouri. I'm Larry O'Connor, and you're listening to The Mark Levin Show. What do you think, Jim? Hey, Larry. Great show. Love Mark Levin. Me too. Uh, appreciate you setting in for him. Thanks. I love, love, love the way this president draws people out and makes them show their hand. This president, Donald J. Trump, I was not on my radar. I'm a Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz supporter, but I voted for Trump, of course, because there's no way I would vote in crooked Hillary. But I love <laughs> the way this president is operating. I'm all for him. So you think that this is uh, this is beautiful because he's got Roberts of all people. I mean, who would have known that Justice, Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court would actually wade into a political spat with the president? But 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 Trump has drawn him out and allowed him to show his his true colors. He's it's put awesome. him out there. I understand. I understand that uh, where he's coming from now, and this is just this is all just playing for the conservatives. This just shows where people are, and that just helps us. To vote down the road. All right, Jim. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving to you too. Appreciate it. Listen, I, I you know, listen. I, I think that Justice Roberts has made some pretty good decisions. I think he's made some pretty bad decisions. I think, on the whole, I'm glad he's there instead of an Al Gore justice. That's for sure. But I'll tell you that the, what has happened here is that you're right. Trump has drawn him out, and he has decided to throw in and and preen and try to gain favor with the mainstream media who is bound and determined in making John Roberts the new Anthony Kennedy. So that's the book in this town. Everybody's, oh, now that Kennedy's gone and Kavanaugh's on there, who's going to be the moderate middle voice? Who's going to be the swing vote? And here's Roberts auditioning for the part. And it's unbecoming of a Supreme Court justice. Up next, the wonderful Jedediah Bila and her brand new book. I'm the not-so-wonderful Larry O'Connor, but this is the incredible Mark Levin Show. The new American Revolution starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811. I'm Larry O'Connor sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin. I uh, do my own daily afternoon radio program in Washington, D.C. on WMAL, which is the home of Mark Levin. I'm his opening act for three hours right before he takes to the airwaves. You can follow me on Twitter at Larry O'Connor. You know, if you had known 30 years ago that today you would have a supercomputer in your pocket that you could carry with you anywhere and it could make you connected to literally everyone in the world if they had the same supercomputer and most people do, certainly in the free world, it does things, other than the weaponry, it does things that we saw the characters on Star Trek able to do. Uh, You would think to yourself, my God, that is incredible. That kind of technology would free up my life in such a way that I would be able to spend all of my time doing the things that I really want to do. Spending the time with my family and my loved ones and pursuing my leisurely activities because that kind of technology, that kind of power, it makes life so much easier. And yet here we are actually spending more time on things that aren't important, spending more time almost addicted to these little machines and social networking that goes along with it. That is 
in a way, the subject of Jedediah Bila's new book. It's called Do Not Disturb, How I Ghosted My Cell Phone to Take Back My Life. And she joins us now. Jedediah, it's so good to talk to you, my friend. How are you? I'm well. It's been a while. I can't believe that you know, we haven't talked in a while, and here we are talking on the Mark Levin show. I know. He's my favorite. That's the boss, as I call him. My, mine, too. By the way, I want to get the book title right. Is it Do Not Disturb, or is it Hashtag Do Not Disturb? It's hashtag Do Not Disturb. I threw that in there just because it's about you know ghosting your cell phone and technology and how we're all buried in these devices and the impact it's having on our lives and i figured you know what what better way than to grab people's attention than to just stick that hashtag in because it seems like we're hashtagging our whole lives these days between instagram and twitter Jedediah, this is more than just sort of a self-help how-to kind of book this is a memoir you have a very personal story here where you reach a bit of an epiphany tell us what happened yeah, I mean, that, that's exactly right. It, it kind of chronicles episodes in my life where, and there are several, one day where I left my cell phone in a taxi and I was completely unhinged. It was like I had lost a dog or a loved one, uh, sweating, you know, completely losing my mind. Another day where I was in a cafe and I had God or the universe sent me two couples that were sitting close to each other, an older couple and a younger couple. And the younger couple were buried in cell phones, never even made eye contact. You could barely tell they were on a date. And it was juxtaposed with an older couple that were making eye contact, laughing, sharing moments. And I said, oh, my gosh, what is happening to us? And then you add in an ex-boyfriend who had a completely separate life in his phone that was everything from, uh, you know, dealing drugs to cheating to having all-night house parties. And I chronicle, I I tell the, the, the juicy details about it all. But the combination of it all made me say to myself, first of all, what are we doing with our lives that we're missing all of these moments? Nobody knows how to make eye contact anymore. And I was as guilty as anybody else. No one knows how to have a real person-to-person conversation. And also, what were these phones bringing out in us? Were they making us better people? Were they making us more secretive? And did we, were we taking on these personas in these online spaces and saying things in ways that we would never say them in a face-to-face conversation just because we were detaching that online life from our regular everyday living? Yeah. So it caused me to dig in, do some research. Um, I also remember I used to teach kids. So I became really, really worried about what was happening to children, and I found there was a rise in ADHD that was coinciding with a rise in the use of these devices. We now have the attention span less than that of a goldfish. And I wanted to appeal (laughs) to parents and say, listen, if you yourself are struggling with this, or you find that you're losing hours and hours to Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is, or if you're at holidays and you notice your kids, your grandkids, no longer make eye contact and also are losing important skill sets that their communication skills are suffering or they go on their college interviews and they don't know how to have these face-to-face conversations or they start dating and it's all happening behind these screens and they're not learning those backbone building moments of going up to somebody and asking them out and getting rejected and facing those important milestones and i was like you know what i got to do something i want to provide the research that shows that these devices are being programmed to get people addicted. And I just want to remind people that there was a life before this, and there's a way to bring the best of technology into our lives without having it overtake our lives so that we can be whole people again and not lose these important values and these important skill sets. 
Well, that is great stuff and, and such an important topic, especially here the day before Thanksgiving, as you know, so many young people and frankly, people in our generation, my generation, Generation X, we're, we're all going to be sitting there with our families enjoying Thanksgiving and many of us will be looking at our phones instead of looking at each other. Uh, Jedediah Beal is the guest. The book is hashtag do not disturb how I ghosted my cell phone to take back my life. Tell me about that. You actually you reached this point where you decided enough. And, and what did you I do? Did. did you cut cold turkey? Do you have new rules? for yourself what 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 happened yeah that's the, the end of the book i kind of give tips as to things that i did that really helped me i didn't go cold turkey because i work in the news business you do want to be plugged into a certain extent and you do look twitter facebook these things do have benefits to them in terms of networking there are people that run businesses out there that say listen i want to promote my business i totally get it first thing i did best thing i ever did for my life is take the cell phone out of the bedroom so that when you go to sleep a couple of hours before sleep, you actually get to wind down and have some peace of mind and let your mind get a rest. Charge it in a docking station in the living room so that you're not waking up in the middle of the night on that bathroom break, looking at your phone. You see, oh, my gosh, the news. What did Trump say? Now you're in some fight with some you know, left-wing person yeah. or right-wing yeah. person on the other side. <laughs> Keep it out of the bedroom. Uh, another thing I did was turn off the notifications, Larry, so that – I could decide when I wanted to go into those spaces, but I wasn't coming back from a bathroom break and, and looking and seeing 500 things lit up on my phone, which induced so much anxiety. And it was little steps like that that I understood, you know, people aren't going to, I'm not going back to, you know, 19, you know, 25. I'm not, we're not, we're not also going to, you know, communicate by telegraph anymore. That's just not realistic for the time. But people did what it, what it was mostly is getting people to think again and to say to themselves, you know, can I go out with my friends and put this thing on airplane mode and actually have a night out with friends where I'm paying attention to them? You'd be surprised the small steps that you take and what a big difference it makes in your sanity um, and your relationships where you're like, wait a minute, I can't even, I didn't even remember what it was like to sit and have an actual conversation where I feel like I'm being heard and not sharing that space with a cell phone and the million people in it. You can't go out with your friends if you're not taking a picture and posting it on Instagram, on your Instagram story, and getting immediate feedback, Jedediah Bela. What's the matter with you? <laughs> I have to tell I you. Put, it, it, put it on airplane mode, take the photo, and then when you're home later and you're, you know, the uh, night is done, then you can do your post. <laughs> I have to tell you, it's so, it so resonates with me when you say, you know, don't take your phone on your bathroom break. Can I tell you, and I know you'll appreciate this, when I was um, editing uh, one of the websites for Andrew Breitbart, back when it was big government, big journalism, big Hollywood, right? And I was one of his editors. He called me sometimes at two in the morning saying, oh, we got this story. We got to get this story up. This story just happened. It's news. I said, Andrew, it's two in the morning. It's it's five in the morning on the East Coast. Nobody. Why? But the problem was he had to go to the bathroom. He took his Blackberry with him. He started looking at headlines. And if he saw it, it we had to do it. That's exactly <laughs> right. And, I, and, you're, and it's funny because I talk about that. I talk about how the workday no longer has an end. Yeah. And impact it's having on everybody's health people are anxiety ridden they're exhausted now we're all you know nobody even has a lunch hour anymore because you're you're on your phone through your lunch break and you're handling a million things but the, the mind needs rest and there are detox centers that are popping up all over the country to detox tech addiction i called yeah. it obsessive compulsive tech disorder and you know that sounds funny at first but if you really think about how much time you spend and remember we we're not 18, you know, we're not seven, unfortunately. But there are kids that are growing up in a world, some people who are listening, maybe their kids, their grandkids, growing up in a world where 
All they know is a world where people are staring at cell phones all day, all night. They get no break. We had the benefit of the childhood years where we didn't have all that in our face all the time. We got to learn all those important skills. We didn't have the level of social media bullying. And I get into that, what, you know, what it's doing to us on Twitter and Instagram, how these kids are going there and they're thinking that these are real pictures that reflect someone's real life and they're photoshopped and edited and what that's doing to their self-esteem and their perception of reality. So I dig into all that stuff. And this was really a passion project for me to kind of be an eye-opener for all of us of all ages. And, and, and it closes with a letter to the next generation, which is super important, where I talk to young people directly and I say, listen, I get it. You're inundated with all this stuff. I know it's hard, but you have the power to, to create the life you want for yourself and have these things play the role that enhance your life. And I talk to them, I think, in a way that is a really great conversation starter. So if you are a parent and, and you want to have a conversation about technology with your kids, I would strongly recommend check that out. Yeah. I've worked with kids for years, and it, it really does make a difference how you approach the conversation. So they feel heard, too, because it's not easy growing up with all this stuff in your face all the time. It's not. And, and that part really does resonate with me. I am the father of four, but three are teenagers. Two are girl teenagers. Uh, and so uh, this is an issue that that I raised with them. Uh, it, but, but I got to say, our guest is Jedediah Bila. The book is hashtag do not disturb how I ghosted my cell phone to take back my life. You know Jedediah Bila from uh, she was on ABC's The View for a while. If you could sort of, you know, get through all of the screaming at each other sometimes. Uh, she was the reasonable voice um, recently on Outnumbered quite a bit. Or excuse me. Recently, you've so been fun. on The Five a lot uh, on Fox yeah. News, right? I've been and, the, um, hosting The Five and, and, and Fox and Friends on the weekend. Two great crews. Yeah. So and. Over there. And, of course, the Greg Gutfeld show, you're a frequent. I remember you. We go back to the old red-eye days with Greg Gutfeld, in fact. Um, great, great appearances there. The, you have a chapter that really resonates with me. It's called The Power of Positive. And I think that that's a big part of this, um, where, you know, you post something. And, and you don't have to be somebody uh, famous or anything. I've seen this with people who have 100 followers on Twitter, but they post something and they immediately want to see what the reaction is. This instant gratification. I just put my thought out there. I just put my picture out there. I just made a comment and you keep checking and refreshing and looking for the reaction to see if it's if it's gotten a reaction from other people. That can be a very good thing when you get positive feedback, but there's a dark side to that. And and is this part of that obsessive compulsive behavior, this immediate need to resonate with people with our with our brilliant thoughts? It is. And we all feel like you're exactly right when you say instant gratification because we're used to now we post something a photo wherever we, we could be in our living room and immediately somebody retweets it you're looking for their response you are addicted to people seeing your stuff and reacting to it yeah. and you also get addicted to the to the positive energy and the negative energy so then if somebody says something negative to you well guess what now you're you're, you're in that space you're all fired up and you're going to fire that right back at that person or at somebody else so what I, one thing I did that helped with that is I stopped on Facebook, I stopped reading the comments. On Instagram, I stopped, I stopped reading the comments and I stopped responding a lot. Twitter, I still respond here and there, but I scaled it back enough so that I'll allot certain times for that. And then, like, say, you know, okay, from four to five, I'm going to go and I'm going to just hang out and look at, check out some social media, do some posts, and then I leave. So I'm not constantly plugged in, so I'm not constantly seeing a stream. And it's also, I think, once you look at something with a new level of awareness where you say, where you say, this is not people's best behavior, this is a knee-jerk reaction, these apps are designed for you to, to create these knee-jerk, 
what can get the most retweets, what can get the most responses, reaction. So what yeah. stop and realize that they're designed that way and you become a little bit of a rebel, especially conservatives. I feel like we have a rebellious chip that's embedded like from birth, <laughs> I really do. Once you realize that the apps are designed to be used that way, that's exactly how you will not want to use them. You'll say, oh, the tech companies think I'm a puppet. Well, guess right. what? I'm not going to do that. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not going to be your dog, Mr. Pavlov. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but, but so now here's the $10 billion question, Jedediah Bila, and I'm sure you've yeah. been asked it, but I, I haven't asked it. Do you hope this book gets read at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue? I do. I really do. And for, for, listen, I sent a copy to uh, Melania because she talks a lot about cyberbullying. Yeah, but we're not talking about Flotus here. Oh, I know. I, <laughs> listen, if I could get him to stop tweeting, I don't know what I would do. Just because he often, the president... Even when I agree with him policy-wise, I find himself undermining himself on Twitter. And I see it so often that I just want to say, just stop, because you're, you're winning this fight. Just don't, don't jeopardize it. See, but you, you know, but you know his argument, that this is his way to reach the people, this is his way to push back against the media, and they're all against him, and they are. Uh, and, and you're right, for every time he undermines himself, he also has brilliant moments where he really does cut through it all. It is, it is, but it's very difficult. Remember, in a tweet, you can't hear somebody's tone of voice. There's not any context provided. It provides an opportunity for someone to just take your information and run with it. And the problem is, even if you come from a good place, you write a tweet, you come from a good place, yeah, you're a little fired up, but somebody's going to interpret that, and then I see too many people now using it for ugliness. There is so much ugliness on Twitter that now you have a whole bunch of adults that are behaving in ways that they once scolded their children for, for behaving that way on, on the kindergarten playground. So I just wish he would take a second. And the problem with Twitter is that we don't think anymore. President, me, you, we're all guilty of it, where you tweet something out, and then sometimes 15 minutes later you're like, well, maybe I should have said it a different way. It happens <laughs> to all of us. But you can't pull it back, and especially if you're the president of the United States. I mean, that thing is just flown everywhere. So just a little caution, a little just awareness that the space is designed for you to just put it out there, you know, just, you know, full of risk. And um, maybe just remember we have thinking brains, and we can we can make decisions a little bit better in those spaces. Fraught with danger, as mistake. they say. Let me tell you, Larry, yes. the book is full of my mistakes super embarrassing stories. I am no hero in this book. If anything, I make a lot of dumb decisions that I learn from, and I hope that people will learn from as well. All right. Thank God you did it so we don't have to. Jedediah Bila, <laughs> great stuff. It's it's great to reconnect you with you, my friend, and congratulations on this book and all the success at Fox right now. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You bet. Again, the book is hashtag do not disturb or uh, pound do not disturb, depending on your perspective. How I ghosted my cell phone to take back my life. That's Jedediah Bila. I'm Larry O'Connor, and this is the Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin. Larry O'Connor sitting in here for the great one, Mark Levin. I wish you all a great and happy Thanksgiving tomorrow. It truly is my favorite holiday. It's so American, and it revolves around the most important things in our lives. Uh, Great meals, you know, eating great meals, that is, being with our family, uh, giving thanks to God, and watching good football. What more do you want? 
right? It's uh, it, it's everything that makes this country great. Uh, and, and this is usually the time when the guest host takes the final minute to sort of fill you in on who I am and where you can find me. So I'll go ahead and do that. Uh, like I said, I am the afternoon host on WMAL in Washington, D.C. I do three hours every day. And so those podcasts are available. You can find them at iTunes, Larry O'Connor Show, when we talk about the day's events and uh, stuff going on in your life that even go beyond politics. Yes, there is more to life than politics. And I, you find me on Fox News a lot. In fact, I'll be on tonight. Check out Fox News tonight at 11 Eastern. And uh, finally, I'm the parent of four children. And they're really fantastic. And I love them to death. And I thank every day for them. I'm Larry O'Connor. Thanks. Thanks.